Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. Hello, this is William Zelmer. I'm a contributing editor of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. And I'm speaking today with two individuals who had a key role in the development of the report of the ASHP Task Force on Caring for Patients Served by Specialty Suppliers. The chair of that task force was Kathleen Policki, who is the Director of Pharmaceutical Services and the Administrative Director of Professional Services at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan. Hello, Kathy. Hi, Bill. And I'm also speaking with David Chen, who is on the staff of ASHP. He serves as Director of the Pharmacy Practice Sections and Director of the Section of Pharmacy Practice Managers. Hello, David. Hello, Bill. Well, let me start by just making a a statement about the work of this ASHP task force. You know, it seems that in a simpler time, uh, hospital and health system pharmacists practiced in an environment in which the institution acquired and controlled all of the medicines used uh, by that institution's patients. Now things seem to be a lot more complicated. It has become quite common for patients who are served by an outpatient pharmacy or who are admitted to a hospital inpatient setting to actually bring with them medicines that were provided directly to the patient by a specialty pharmacy. And those medicines may not even be available for direct purchase by the institution. Further complicating matters, sometimes those medicines are administered by ambulatory care infusion devices that were supplied directly to the patient, and those devices may be unfamiliar to the hospital staff. Now, Kathy, let me ask you a question. When this issue first arose several years ago, it seemed to stem from the fact that the suppliers of the medicines involved took into account only patient use at home and quite often ignored that sometimes these patients would be treated in an outpatient clinic or a hospital inpatient setting. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely, Bill. Typically, these uh, types of programs are set up more with a retail pharmacy situation, and many hospitals, about 70% in the U.S., don't even have outpatient pharmacies, so their access is really limited already. And it's the transition from the home setting to these other care situations where patient care is most impacted. Pharmacists and other caregivers end up being caught in the middle trying to figure out a fragmented supply chain. Last week, Uh, For instance, at our institution, we had a patient who came in and needed to continue a treatment that they had been receiving through one of these distribution programs. We had to spend some time, obviously, investigating how we could best get that medication, and in the end, found out that they would not ship it to us because they had shipped it to the patient's home several days prior. We, in turn, had to ask the patient's family to bring the medication in. It caused about a one- to two-day delay in patient's therapy in our institution, which really is not optimal for patient care. We end up dealing with this type of distribution and supply chain issue about once or twice every week. It's not just a supplier issue, but also advances in technology, as you indicated. The the change of implantable pumps have caused additional strife on our institutions and availability of medications, further complicating continuity of care. 
Kathy, that was a very good answer in that you were able to draw on your experience at Beaumont Hospital in talking about uh, continuity of care dimensions of this issue. Another type of issue that often comes up is actually one of uh, eight types of issues identified by the task force deals with patient safety. And David, I wonder if you could comment a little bit on that to help our listeners understand the full dimensions of that issue. When the task force was addressing the different causes, issues with specialty suppliers, patient safety was one of those eight. And I think it could be categorized as both direct and indirect patient safety concerns. One, one of the indirect, and actually can be direct, depending on the acuity of the medication needed. Kathy just mentioned in her continuity of care example, if a patient arrives at the hospital without a drug and the hospital is not able to purchase or acquire the drug themselves, some examples of direct causes that can play on patient safety are one, that a drug that when it's required to be brought in from outside the hospital and patient-owned medications, um, it hasn't gone through the, the normal processes for formulary assessment and ensuring that the knowledge of the drug by all care providers is, is there and the experience of using the drug or the device is there. I think the, also the increase in patient-owned medications and the reliance on the storage management done by the patient is a, a direct impact on patient safety, not knowing how the medication has been stored by the patient or transported, and then the hospital or health system relying on that storage to also for their responsibility and ensuring that the medication is safe. The sterility of products is another area. Uh, we're seeing an increased requirement of external payer demands on patients to obtain their compounded medications and then bring those to the hospital for infusion. We've recently had a case, couple cases in Massachusetts and California where that was the, the circumstances. And at this point, the hospital is required to, to ensure the sterility of the product, but not knowing how it's prepared and who or necessarily is the primary source can also impact patient safety. And then the other issue is ensuring that care providers know all the drugs that a patient is on with the proliferation of indwelling devices and other devices making sure that those medications are part of the medication reconciliation process becomes important, both to make sure that they're placed on the, the medication profile on, from the, the electronic health record, as well as the pharmacy medication management system to ensure that all the drug-drug and patient-disease state interactions are being accounted for. But in addition to some of these direct patient safety concerns, there's indirect patient safety concerns. There's, as Kathy alluded to, a disproportional amount of workload and taking providers offline to deal with these additional steps. Um, we're also seeing this IT impact of ensuring safe systems are optimized for all drug therapies and when medications are being um, brought in by patients or in devices, they don't necessarily, aren't necessarily in the charge master for a hospital pharmacy system. And I'll finish with just saying the concern that, it, that pharmacists are increasingly dealing with many micro-medication use processes that are patient or product specific. And so by that, it impacts the workload of the overall pharmacy staff, um, taking away their attention for the general population for the whole hospital or health system medication use system. Thanks, David. Uh, that's a very complete answer. Great. It's easy to imagine, I think, the confusion that could be caused in outpatient pharmacies or inpatient settings when patients bring their own essential medications or infusion devices to the institution. Kathy, what did the task force have to say about the role of pharmacists in dealing with this aspect of the issue? 
actually, Bill, the task force was very uh, supportive and encouraging that we take a leadership role at each of our sites uh, with relationship to these issues. With regards to infusion devices, uh, the task force felt that as hospital pharmacists, we should lead and make sure that the hospital staff is well-trained on these devices, that they, we have de well-documented processes to follow when these patients arrive at our doorstep. In addition to that, we should be very proactive in being knowledgeable about new programs such that come through the REMS programs and mitigate any potential disruption in patient care so that we're ready to go if one of those patients does show up on our doorstep. Finally, the task force was supportive that we proactively address payer stipulations that require patients to bring in their own meds, that we are really working closely with our financial folks here at each of our institutions. David, um, you know, as an ASHB staff person, I'm going to ask you this next question. The Society, of course, has been working on this issue continuously since it first surfaced a number of years ago. And beyond the work of the task force, what have been some of the key accomplishments to date and what do you see on the near-term horizon in terms of ASHP activity? Since the task force helped to clearly identify some areas where ASHP could continue to work and actually grow programs, I'd point to two specific areas. One is in the education realm. The, the last two ASHP meetings, we've had educational sessions addressing medication delivery devices, as well as a number of education programs describing REMS or the risk evaluation mitigation strategies that are in place and educating our members about how those are impacting the medication use system. In addition to that, the ASHP, with the efforts of members, have developed a REMS Restricted Drug Distribution Systems Resource Center as a location where members can go. It was built on the premise that at 4.30 on a Friday, a pharmacist has a patient that presents at admission and you need access to a medication. Um, what, what information do you need to be able to access that medication? So those are a couple of activities that have happened directly in the last year. Um, other activities that have also occurred over the last year is ASHP advocacy uh, with the FDA in the area of the REMS and other restricted drug distribution systems that are evolving and looking to help develop more standardization to reduce the workload burden. Going forward, some of the areas there ASHP is working in is one where an active participant in the health IT initiatives. I think a lot of the information transfer that's necessary to reduce workload and increase safety as patients are being um, going through their transitions of care from outpatient ambulatory settings to inpatients will be allevi alleviated with an improved HIT um, system in the United States for our healthcare. And the second is, is that the ASHP board has commissioned a paper uh, to study the increasing fragmentation of the supply chain and its impact on patient care to further delineate areas of, of work that need to be done by the association. And a third area is on practical area things that our members can do, such as an education session that's coming up at this leadership conference 2010 in October on how hospitals can look at the new business models that can improve patient continuity of care, but also create new service lines. Since though we, we realize there's lots of challenges with some of these new uh, supply chain issues that are impacting hospitals and health systems, but we also recognize that hospitals and health systems will need to adapt and we need to provide the tools for members um, using best practice examples on how their institutions can adapt to some of these new paradigms. Well, let's draw this um, conversation to a close by turning again to you, Kathy. 
Uh, you know, you provided an immense service to ASHP and ASHP members by chairing the task force on caring for patients served by specialty suppliers. And I wonder, as uh, you know, you reflect on that work, what are your thoughts? Do you feel good about the work that was done and the prospect for making positive changes in the future? Yes, I do, Bill. I think the task force was a great first launching pad for us to get going on this issue. And as uh, David already indicated, a lot has come out of the work that we did um, over the year that we were together. It was a great opportunity for us to bring practitioners from a variety of different settings. And it was interesting. We all had different perspectives on the issue. And um, hence, I would like to really acknowledge the hard work of that task force. They provided a great roadmap for ASHP to prioritize education as well as advocacy on the behalf of our peers. And I think that we were able to accomplish what we set out to do. Thank you, Kathleen and David. Uh, This is William Selmer, contributing editor of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacies. I've been speaking with Kathleen Policki of Beaumont Hospital in Michigan and David Chen of the ASHP staff, two of the key players in the work of the ASHP Task Force on Caring for Patients Served by Specialty Suppliers, which is now published in AJHP. That concludes this podcast. For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.